Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. And, I, you know, Barry, I decided this is what, instead of expensive psychotherapy, this is what we, we do. This is what we decided to do instead. Um, Actually, I do um, pay for psychotherapy, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> so in, in, in addition to psychotherapy, we also do this podcast. So, okay. <laughs> um... And we have a guest, and we're a little bit uh, after St. Patrick's Day. We didn't quite get him in on St. Patrick's Day. Not but, quite. Uh, no, but who do we have on the show, Barry? Uh, Mr. Dan Sweeney, who I thought used to work for the Orlando Sentinel, but actually works for the Sun Sentinel, and he's the there you go. deputy opinions editor. Did I get that right? Yes. Yes, that's right. And uh, the, the, the psychotherapy, is that in addition to the show or because of the show? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's all it's all there. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan. State yes, yeah, state reporter for uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel, and he's also written for alt weeklies, newspapers, uh, regional, national magazines. And I know him from music. Were you you were a music writer originally, right? Or were you just like a, yes, uh, you were. Yeah, I did like arts and entertainment stuff when I first came down here in two thousand, and then got like a full time like a weekly music column from oh like two thousand three to two thousand eight or nine or so. Uh, and uh, so I was kind of haunting the bars there in the uh, in the aughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but now and now look at you. You're a respected uh, journalist in the field, and you're uh, you occasionally uh, incite get people mad on Twitter. I notice sometimes people get uh, upset with you, which is great. We're all about that. Sure, sure. The mute button's a beautiful thing. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, so Dan, uh, Dan Sweeney, what did you? What is the record you brought for us to talk about today? I have uh, brought for you a, a little number called Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash. Mm-hmm, yeah. By the Pogues. Now, now, Dan, right off the bat, I'm going to ask you, Did you? is your love of the Pogues tied into your Irish heritage? I can't say it's not. I mean, it might be. I think everybody has like a sort of... Uh, a sort of natural affinity for the the folk music of their yes. their native lands, you know, like right. You can play a Jewish person klezmer music, and they're like, that's kind of catchy. 
you know? But, but uh, you know, but I was going to say, I feel like everyone's sort of like, I don't know, me personally, I don't have, I don't have any Irish really blood in me. But when I listen to the Pogues, I feel like, yeah, I, I'm into that. I could yeah. be Irish. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, there's such a strong uh, cross through between Irish folk music and a lot of American. Indeed. That kind of Scotch Irish Appalachian thing. Indeed. You know, it, it, yes. It crosses over pretty well. So, so if you're American, Irish folk music in some way sounds sounds natural. It, it does. In fact, apparently, um, the King's English used to sound like the way Southerners uh, speak in this. We associate with a Southern accent was uh, more how the English sounded uh, back in the day than how they currently sound. The, the, the genteel southern accent, the, the, the Charleston Harbor sort of, <laughs> oh, sort of thing. Something yeah. Oh, something like yeah, that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I have some Irish. Uh, <laughs> Irish. I have some Irish. So how, how Irish are you, Dan? Uh, well, uh, my on my dad's side, my dad was the first one born in the country. Uh, wow. My grandpa was actually born on the way over. They wanted to have him in America, but they, they waited a little too long, and my great-grandmother actually wound up having him in Wales. Oh, uh, but if you called him a Welshman <laughs> to no. his dying day, if you called him a Welshman, no. that was grounds for fighting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, he was he was that. an Irishman through right. and through. They just went nice. to, uh, they went, went to Wales to get on the boat, and uh, that's where right. it left took a boat from. from Cork to Wales, and and uh, and then whoops, had a kid. Right. Yeah, <laughs> my Irish goes a little further back. Uh, my my great grandmother's grandfather um, came over from Ireland in the 1760s uh, fought in the Revolutionary War on the side of the Union and um, also was a plantation owner in uh, North Carolina Ooh. and I went <laughs> I went um, to my 23, 23 and me account and I found a fourth cousin which is uh, the generation is the correct generation with the last name Houston, and he's black. So that tells you everything you need to know about uh, my uh, oh, great, wow. great, great grandfather. That he had slaves. They're listed on his um, on his the census, the 1790 census. Six slaves, and uh, one of them is my fourth cousin. Uh, wow! One of his I did not. This is all. This is all new news to me too, Dan. This is this is uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. So, Barry, uh, when you listen to the Pogues, do you feel any affinity, any extra affinity to them, or uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't know? We haven't. Not a bit. Not a bit. But <laughs> are you a a fan though? Because I am. I mean, I've always been a fan of the Pogues, and I really enjoy it. Um, are you a fan? I like the lyrics musically. It doesn't really do anything for me. I'll be frank. Really? That's funny. I, I wonder. That that's all right. I it's guess we'll just, we'll uh, get into that. Know, no, it's fine. Um. I, as the record progresses, it gets more interesting to me uh, uh, lyrically, but uh, musically, no, it's it doesn't really it doesn't ring my bell. But that's that's not I'm not the uh, I'm not the that's not necessary for us to do the show. No, 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 of course not. Yeah, I mean, Dan, it's Dan's record. So, Dan, when uh, this record came out in '85, uh, so were you like, when did you become a fan of the Pogues? When did you first hear them? Uh, not so quite a bit later, I think. You know, like I graduated junior high school in like 1990. So, uh, oh, yeah, you're uh, young and oh my goodness. So, uh, yeah, so so I mean, back then, would you think it, somebody 13, 14 in 1990, growing up in Southern California? I mean, you know hair was was really 
everything I knew, you know, Guns N' Roses. Right, and, uh, right, right. And, yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, so uh, right around, you know, 91, grunge happened and I started listening to more punk rock. And then from punk rock, I got into the Pogues. And yep. the Pogues is really what got me, you know, n- nowadays I'm a, I'm a huge like Dylan fan. And, yeah. and uh, I think the Pogues really got me from, from punk to folk. So, in a way, this the the Pogues is really a a big crossroads band for me, you know. Great. Oh, okay. And and it's a cliche, really. But whenever I mean, whenever I hear the Pogues, I feel like I either I've already been drinking or I I want to start drinking. So I am, and I am drinking now. I'm drinking a nice dark in honor of them, a nice dark uh, stout. I, I poured myself an Irish whiskey just before we went on the air. There you oh, go. Nice, nice. So um the uh, the title of the record refers to in, in my recollection it's a uh, reference to uh seafaring law um where you would have um rum they would everybody would get a a, a little bit of grog every day which was uh rum mixed with lemon juice and um if you got caught uh with one of your um bunk mates uh doing the naughty that's the sodomy part and the lash is where they punish you for sodomy and they strap you up and they um, whip you till your back looks like hamburger. Does that all sound right? I, that sounds about right. You know, uh, the, the the British Navy they, they uh, famously uh, had rum in their daily rations, and uh, I, I mean, I think that it, they stopped that practice fairly recently. I want to say, yeah. uh, like it, it was not that long ago, like no. maybe around nineteen eighty, somewhere around there. They finally right. said, "Wait a minute." We probably should not be, you know, getting our sailors drunk every single day there at sea. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think the idea back <laughs> in the day was you get them to drink. The reason you you mix the rum and the 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 citrus was you to prevent scurvy. So right, to encourage right, right. the uh, encourage the um, consumption. Well, we're gonna put a little rum in there, and everybody gets a little relaxed and drinks their tonic and doesn't get scurvy and uh, is ready for the next day's uh, sodomy. And, and grog at its base is really just rum and water. You can add some citrus to it. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. It's mainly just rum and water. You uh, because the 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 rum, the initial stuff they created back in the you know 1500s, 1600s was so vile mm. that you know you really couldn't drink the stuff straight. You I know? did not so know they, that they'd, they'd mix it with water. And in fact, bars in in uh, the Caribbean in the old piratical days were referred to as grog houses. Oh, I did uh, did not know that. Nice. So there you go. There you go. All right. See, I look at that. Know, look at I that. was wondering if I missed yeah. some other reference to the, those three things that was that was different than well, what I knew about you, the, the Royal Navy. You could read somewhere. Uh, some people say it was attributed to uh, Winston Churchill, but then I, I read that it was falsely attributed to Winston Churchill. So I don't think Winston Churchill ever actually used that uh, reference. Like uh, uh, so you could find on the internet sometimes people saying, "Oh, it's from a Winston Churchill quote," but I don't think it really. I, I, I doubt it is, and I mean, there are so many things that are falsely attributed to Winston Churchill. Right. This is, you know, really just added, added <laughs> right. this to the list. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. He's like Abraham exactly. Lincoln, you know, like yeah. it, it, like that yep. picture you always see of Lincoln, like you know, with uh, with the words like, if you read it on the internet, it must be true or something. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> so this is this was their second record, but a lot of people feel, and and I think it's true that uh, Shane. McGowan, uh, the singer, obviously, Shane McGowan, really came into his own as a songwriter or started to with, with this record. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah, I Wouldn't mean, you say that? 
Yeah. Look, uh, Rum Sodomy and the Lash and the follow-up record to that, If I Should Fall From Grace With God, are really the the one-two punch of, of the Pogues. They, I mean, they obviously had a lot more studio albums than that, but these two are, you know, Shane McGowan was certainly a, you know, burn bright and quickly kind of, <laughs> kind right, of fella. Right, yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, so I, I think this really, you know, he got he got his inspiration and he uh, he managed to crank out a couple of really awesome albums with it and you can you can kind of see how you know everything sort of fades off slowly but surely after that right well he was a, yeah i mean he was he had a serious uh alcohol consumption problem um, he did yes oh yeah it, and, um, uh, worse, yeah worse teeth, notoriously so worse teeth Notorious. than joe strummer which is saying something the uh pre tooth repair joe strummer had a really ugly set of choppers but if shane mcgowan <laughs> His were really, truly fucked up. He had some fucked up teeth. So yeah, uh, yeah. Well, when I saw them at the, like Pompano Beach Amphitheater, this was like maybe ten years ago or so. They, they were just gone. I mean, he 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 was just gumming it by then. Really? Oh, right, because uh, the reunion. That's right. They did a re. Uh, they re- reunited for a while with him because for a while, uh, Joe Strummer sang for them for a while, right? When he very left. briefly, like very uh, briefly. like in like ninety one, ninety two. And then, and then they were done by 94. Right. And then back together around 2002 or so. But they didn't really tour, tour a lot over here. They did do a couple of very brief tours because just, you know, it's difficult to tour with, with McGowan. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 heard, I heard that he cleaned up, but that's not true. That's not that he did not so well. Up. You know, he may he may have recently. That, I've heard that, too, that recently he's a, a pretty... He's still alive, which is, uh, it's amazing he's still alive when you think about it. So, I mean, the fact that he's still alive, maybe he has. Um, All right, so before we get on the record, let's quickly mention the other members at this time. uh, Spider Stacy, who's uh, one of the originals and with them throughout. uh, A tin whistle, all the tin whistle you hear is Spider Mm -hmm. Stacy. Yes, and and vocals on one song. Vocals on one song, and I think he even uh, came, like he would when Shane wouldn't show up or something, Spider a lot of times would sing, yeah. Yeah. Um, James Fearnley on accordion. We have Jim Finer on banjo. Uh, Kate, the lovely Kate. Oh, how do you pronounce her name? Oh, Kate O'Riordan. Riordan. Kate O'Riordan on bass and uh, really great vocals on the one song on here. And uh, Andrew Rankin on drums and Philip Chevron on guitar and mandolin. And, and maybe, inter- maybe include the, the, the extra Pogue there, this album, because the album was produced by Elvis Costello. There you uh, go. Exactly. Right. Yes. And uh, and yeah, and he definitely, he definitely from their first album to this, he definitely you know brought it all together. And I, I read somewhere, some reviewers said, and I thought this was good. It says uh, this record, it was the first one to prove that they were a great band and not just a great idea for a band. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think that's true because I don't know, I just love the Celtic punk. The thing, the whole Celtic punk thing, got very you know, uh, played out almost and you heard a lot, but when you, like, I remember when I first heard the Pogues, I thought really, that's brilliant, you know, because it's like this, it sounds like this folk, uh, traditional folk music, but it's also has the, uh, punk element to it and they're playing really fast a lot. And, uh, and, uh, it's just, so I, I thought it was brilliant to me. I I just poke the punches you in the face. It punches you in the face. All right, so let's get... I'm going to have you... Some of these songs I'm going to have you introduce, Dan, just to make sure they're pronounced uh, correctly. So what is the first song on the record? The first song is Sickbed of Kukulin. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do it. (laughs) My car 
Cormac and Richard Tauber are singing by the bed. There's a glass of punch below your feet and an angel at your head. There's devils on each side of you with bottles in their hand. You need one more drop of poison and you'll dream of foreign land. When you pissed yourself in Frankfurt and got sipped out in Cologne And you heard the rattling deck trains as you lay there all alone Frank Ryan bought your whiskey in a brothel in Madrid And you text some fucking blackshirt who was cursing all the yids And a sick bit of Coo Cullen will nail and say a prayer But it goes a rattling at the door and the devil's in that chair <laughs> Houston Tavern, you screamed there was your shell But I wouldn't give you service, so you kicked the windows out They took you out and turned the street, kicked you in the brains So you went back then through a bolted door and did it all again Like a sick man out, Kurt Cullen, well, may I say a prayer And the ghosts are rattling at the door and the devil's in the chair Hey! <laughs> so right away off the bat, some great lines in this one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really, uh, you know, it's it's a very, it's 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 very much his his lyrics to use a uh, a slur for for Jewish people at the same time that he talks about slugging somebody for using that slur. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, a So Kukulain is a is like a Irish hero. It's it, it, it's not a real person, right? It's from like no. a Irish myth or it's something. Like it's like yeah. it, to put it in like uh, myths people might be more familiar with, like in, in Greek mythology, like Hercules. You know, he's, right, uh, right. he's okay. the unstoppable hero of of Irish myth who you know took on an army by himself and killed hundreds and you know the walls of corpses and whatnot. Uh, right. Um, so yeah, he's so the the. The conceit of the song is that, you know, and he even died when when he was finally stabbed and mortally wounded, he tied himself to a stone so that he could still stand so on his feet. He'll be fight. standing and uh, fighting. Right. <laughs> While so, he's so the idea that he's <laughs> so the idea that he's on his sickbed sort of, you know, it, it, it sort of inverts the whole idea of who he was and, and how he went out and all that. Yeah. Um, and it says uh in the Houston tavern you screamed it was your shout. But they wouldn't give you service, so you kick the windows out. But, uh, just to tie back into my story from before, the last name of my relatives is uh, Houston. And I'm assuming <laughs> that uh, Houston and Houston are uh, one in the same. And so that must be a, a common enough Irish last name that uh, it appears in the first song. Uh, Houston, Houston, E-U-S-T-O-N, Houston Tavern was an actual tavern. It was uh, they, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, that they that they wrote about. It. Apparently, it's no longer there. But well, uh, yep, you can see um, how that becomes Houston becomes Houston in about one transliteration at the uh, at the yeah. at the uh, um, immigration office in seventeen ninety. Right. <laughs> um, and and it, when you scream it, that it's your shout. That's a uh, that 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 line is uh, if it's your shout, it means it's your turn to buy a round for the for uh, the people. Uh, okay. so, uh, see, yeah, so that's why you're here, Dan, to drop all that dr- <laughs> drinking, uh, drunken knowledge that you have from your from your past. Uh, okay, so now we get another Shane uh, McGowan song. Uh, this one, uh, let's listen to it, but it reminds me a lot. I feel like this is their 53rd and 3rd. You know, the Ramones have a song, 53rd and 3rd, that Judy sure. wrote. 
This reminds me of that a little. Let's listen to the old main drag. When I first came to London, I was only 16. With a fiver in my pocket and my old dancing bag. I went down to the dilly to check out the scene. But I soon ended up upon the old main drag. There are the he-mails and the she-mails parading in style. And the old man with the money would flash you a smile. In the dark of an alley, you would work for a five. For a swift one, not the rest, down on the old main drag. In the cold winds and nights, the old town ends was chill. But there were boys in the cafes who'd give you cheap pills. If you didn't have the money, you'd cajole and you'd beg. There was always lots of chewing all on the old main drag. One evening as I was lying down in Leicester Square I was picked up by the coppers and kicked in the balls Between the metal doors at Vine Street I was beaten and mauled And I ruined my good looks for the old main drag so this poor guy went to London, thought he'd be a dancer or something, and things quickly took a bad turn. Yes, this is uh, this is Shay McGowan's uh, homage to male prostitution in the West End. Cocksucker, right, right. Cocksucker right. blues. <laughs> well, it remind me of Fifty Third and Third though, because he ends up uh, turning tricks uh, in the dark alley. You'd work for a five. For a swift one off the wrist down on the old main drag. I mean, yes. uh, it, it, it's he's really, I mean, he's really great at painting a picture and telling a story uh, with his words. And really there's, a, there's a bit later on where uh, where uh, he describes being uh, picked up by the cops and beaten within an inch of his life. And the worst part about it is how he says they ruined my good looks for the old right, main drag. Right, exactly. Right, yeah. I didn't yeah. even have that anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty uh, dark, like I said, a dark, much like Dee Dee's uh, song, things don't end well for the uh, narrator. Um, but, and now we have an instrumental, first instrumental of the record, um, written by McGowan and the banjo player, Jim Finer. Let's listen to a little bit of the Wild Cats of Kilkenny. <laughs>
<laughs> so it goes it goes from that dark opening, but then it sounds like you're going through Epcot, like the island in Epcot That's in exact, Disney. Like a it sounds like yeah, or, for or sure. like the, the, the freaking Shire or something. You it, know? It's like very it, much yeah, it's, so, yeah. But, um, the op- but the opening and ending is kind of dark sounding. And Barry, what's that strum? What is that strum thing? What is that? Do you know what it sounds like a mandolin, or mandolin, or something like a mandolin with a bunch of strings on it. And uh, so I-, I wanted to ask about the the Kilkenny cats thing, uh, the cats of Kilkenny. What do I not know about the cats of Kilkenny? Because there's an Athens, Georgia band formed that predates this record, the Kilkenny right, the cats. Right, the Kilkenny cats. Yeah. So uh, uh, help me out. Well, I mean, Kilkenny, obviously a place in Ireland uh, uh, on the West Coast. Um, and I mean, as far as like there being cats there, there's a there's a another kind of uh, thing like who call in. Uh, there's a there's a legend about uh, uh, there's a pair of cats and um, they they I forget the gist, but they, they basically they, they fight each other for so long and so hard that eventually uh, when it's over, only their tails are left, and uh, uh, okay. the, the implication is that they've they've like they've like eaten each other. Uh, okay, um, I, I'm not that exactly works, sure what exactly symbolism for is. Me. <laughs> works for me. Yeah. I just uh, wonder because yeah. I thought well, I thought Kilkenny cats from Athens maybe they hijacked it from the Pogues, but then I went looking at the chronology. I'm like, no, they're from they they predate this. So uh, there, there must be some. Uh, uh, perhaps there's a literary reference that none of us are savvy enough to uh, uh, grab hold of. Joyce or something? Is that possible? It, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think the the tale itself, I think, is is older than Joyce. But uh, you know, he would he would very easily have referenced it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see it crop up in any of his work. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I like how this one sort of transitions from one thing to the next. You get this kind of you know old man drag, and it's real, real dark. And then it, you get this sort of like howling, right. dark yeah, yeah. stuff, and then it turns around to this kind of peppy little thing, and then you get into the first traditional song of the of the album in the next, yes, in the next and, track. And, and, and right, the first of three traditional songs, and this one, uh, lovely sung by Kate O'Riordan, and uh, oh, she sings this so beautiful. Let's listen to I, "I'm a Man You Don't Meet Every Day." Well, you know, as you know, sometimes that's it. It's an Irish thing, Barry. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 like in country songs, the dogs always got to die. In Irish songs, you actually go out and do it yourself. I see. Uh, it's old yeller. <laughs> old yeller every day. Yeah, they're being proactive about it. Um, I, I love the fact that even though the the song is kind of like a braggy guy in, in a pub song, and you could definitely hear Shane singing this, but the fact that they gave this for uh, her to sing, for Kate to sing, just totally changes everything and makes it really nice, I think. Yeah, uh, um, especially it, it, it being the the uh, you know the one song that's, that's you know from a guy's perspective for sure, and they and they say right, ah, let's let's get Kate to sing it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, that was the, who was little, who was not long for the band. You know, uh, uh, she only played bass for them. I think until like a year after this came out, right? And she ended up marrying um, Elvis Costello. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and they were uh, they were together for a long time too. I think they broke up like in the early two thousands or so, so. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So you know, worked out for him for a while, but uh, but yeah, she great great uh, vocal uh, work there. I mean, I. Every time she rolls that R in drinking, yes, it just, <laughs> it just, yeah. it just sounds, uh, it it you, sounds right? so cool, man. It gets yeah. you. Um, all right, and now we get another Shane uh, song um, that he wrote. He he wrote the lyrics, but I guess the melody is based on an old on a folk song called "Wild Mountain Time." I read uh, by Francis McPeak, and I did, I did not, not know it was this. by Francis McPeak, but uh, I did know it was it was based on a a uh, an old. Uh, an older song, which a lot, he borrows a lot from from older folk music in general, but this one is more he of does. a direct, well, direct the, crib. The good news, if you borrow from something that's uh, out of copyright, then it yeah, might, no, well, it might it, as well be yours. It might just, as well be just, yours. Just ask Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, for sure. so let's listen to, but it's still, it's a great song. Let's listen to A Pair of Brown Eyes. Uh, he's going. He's a come, um, when he comes back. He's coming back dead. Is that correct? And he's a ghost. Is that what I'm uh, reading? What, what I've always gotten from it is that first off, there's this guy, you know, drunk to hell, sad and nearly lifeless. He's he's at a bar and he's all bummed out. Um, I think over a girl, 
And uh, and then this guy keeps this old guy keeps coming up to him. How are you, kid? What's your name? Right, uh, right. And then and then that guy starts talking to him about his old war stories, blood and uh, death. Right. Okay. And uh, yeah. you know, arms and legs are scattered around and all that. And then uh, at the end of that song, he's like, uh, "As a guy, I looked at him. He looked at me, and all I could do was hate him." Oh, yeah, because um, he's a big, yeah. as you do, like some old guy in a bar telling you yeah. the story. You don't want to hear it. But right. then, piss but, off, man. Right, piss <laughs> off. But then at the end, they sort of, his old old man words come back to haunt him at the end. Like when he's walking home, he's thinking about what the old man was saying. Because it's kind of yeah, like, I thought about a pair, of, a pair of brown eyes that were waiting for me. Right, exactly. That, were, that had been waiting for me. They were once were and were an arm. Yeah. And this song, like, like uh, I think foreshadows a lot of the rest of the album, too. Because, like, on the second side, there's that there's there's a, a a song that lends itself a lot to American folk history. Yeah, uh, right, right. And this song actually has a reference to Johnny Cash. Ah. Um, on the jukebox, Johnny sang about a thing called love, and that's the Johnny Cash song. I think. <laughs> oh, called love. nice, nice. And uh, you know, and then of course, uh, a guy describing a war story about blood and death and arms and limbs scattered all around is pretty close to a reference to the the final. Uh, the final song on the album right the gallipoli yes, right. yeah right exactly um oh awesome so let's uh let's take a little break or about i i definitely want to make sure that i uh, have another round i gotta have at least two rounds uh doing this record for sure barry what are you <laughs> are, what are you doing tonight barry are you doing the wine or did you yeah, uh, i got a half, a half a cup of vodka and uh, um just a splash of orange juice and some ice and uh that's right, uh, there you go in a we're off to cup. the races yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're talking to Dan Sweeney. We're talking about the Pogues, Rum, Sodomy, and the Lush. We will be back in a minute. Stop the madness. Buy a mattress. We need you to buy a mattress. You need something to sleep on. We have something for you to sleep on. We have a mattress. We have bedding. We have something for you to fall asleep in and stay asleep in for a significant period of time. Why, I'm talking about the Is This Tomorrow mattress. That's the Is This Tomorrow mattress available at isthistomorrow.com. Aside from being a decades-long, hilarious webcomic, Is This Tomorrow has branched out into betting for human beings. Betting that surpasses the previously tried and failed betting materials such as pencil shavings, golf balls, or bags of balloons. You're not a squirrel. You can't sleep on pencil shavings. And if you can, are you a squirrel? This is not just an academic question. Are you a squirrel? If so, please contact us. The Is This Tomorrow mattress expands from the size of a matchbook to a full king-size mattress. Advanced polycarbonate materials are employed in the manufacture of our bedding. The Is This Tomorrow mattress should only be opened in a very large enclosed space. While wearing a gas mask, you should probably have a priest present. Under no circumstances should you jump up and down on the mattress. It was manufactured in a jet aircraft factory. But I don't need a king-size mattress. Okay, I hear you don't yell. All you have to do is cut the king-size mattress down to the size you want. Queen, full, fraternal twin, crib, 
manger, doll bed, Barbie with no legs, thrift store keychain, or the popular amoeba size bed. The Is This Tomorrow matchbook size jet aircraft factory manufactured mattress, which should only be opened in an enclosed space while a priest is present, is available at isthistomorrow.com for the very low price of $9.99. No returns or refunds are accepted. Once again, that's Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. Don't hesitate. This is a limited time offer. All right, we're happy. To, all right, you ready? You guys want yeah, to sure. jump back in? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, let's bang through. We're, hap- we're happy you're on the show, Dan, okay? Just let's concentrate on you. All right, we are right. back. <laughs> this is That Record Got Me High. We are talking to Dan Sweeney, and we're talking about Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash by the Pogues. We're up to song number six. Let's listen to the lovely, how do you pronounce her name, Dan? Kitty Riordan? No, Sally. Oh, Sally McLennan. <laughs> McLennan. See, I, I wouldn't have said it that good. Sally McLennan, let's listen. Well, Jimmy Blight, I'm on again, the pub where I was born. He played it from the night time to the pace of early morn. He served the souls of psychos and the men who had the horn. And they all left very happy in the morning. But Jimmy didn't like his place in this world of ours. Where the other man brought stormers next and he had too many pairs. So the sad to see the grieving of the people that I'm leaving. And he took the road for God knows in the morning We walked him to the station in the rain We kissed him as we put him on the train And we sang him a song The time's long gone Now we knew that we'd be seeing him again Sad to say He'll be back. So this is this is really the big pub banger uh, yes. of, of the album, you know. Yes. Buy me beer and whiskey because I'm going far away, you know. Like it's it's definitely the it's definitely the the song that you know the whole crowd starts screaming and yelling, waving and, their glasses around and splashing their drinks right, right, on the right. floor. Yeah. Well, I, I read he he wrote it. It was actually inspired by the, his legendary early '80s drinking sessions that uh, he would have with his friends around the bars at the Houston rail, uh, railway station. And um, uh, he was Houston uh, Tavern again. Yes. Yes. Houston traveling. <laughs> and it was, a, they said it was a ritualistic thing almost where he would get drunk and then his friends would just put him on the train again, you know, at the end of the night. They'd throw ah, him on the train. I see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the Sally Mac, the lane that they're talking about, that's uh, McLennan. That's not a girl, right? What is that? 
that is a stout. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when, when, especially in the second verse, that's real good, where he says, uh, the years pass by, the times they changed, I grew to be a man. I learned to love the virtues of sweet Sally McLennan. So in other words, he's not talking about how he learned to love a girl. He's talking about how he learned the to booze. love the booze. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's also, I guess he, he worked in the bar for a while. There's also a thing in there about how he learned how to water down the uh, whiskey too, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course, uh, I, yeah. Uh, ended up a barman in the morning. Uh, yeah, watered whiskey down, and there's that great line right after it. I talked to whores and horses to the men who drank the brown. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, all right, so now we flip the record. So, Dan, when you got this, uh, did you have it on uh, a cassette, I'm assuming? Or no, it was the 90s. You might have had a CD by then, huh? Uh, God, what, how did I first... What was my first Pogues media? Uh, right. Um... I want to say I had this on CD. Okay, probably. The uh, yeah. timing, yeah, timing yeah. checks out. You're probably right. Um, all right, so this is, uh, <laughs> but if you did have a record, you would flip it over, and this would be the first song. It's a Ewan uh, McCall classic called Dirty Old Town. I'm but my love by the gasworks wall. Dream the dream. I kiss my girl by the factory wall. Dirty old town, dirty old town. Clouds are drifting across the moon. Cats are proud. So did uh, you think um, Shane McGowan, did he ever actually uh, work in a factory? Or it sounds like his... Well, this isn't his song. This is an old song. Oh, this right. is... Oh, I see. Not Cover super old. You, you, you McCall is uh, just a little... Maybe less than a generation removed from uh, from Shane McGowan. Yeah, okay. 1949, uh, right, right. sure. Right, yeah, right. He's, a, uh, uh, he's a commie Scottish uh, labor agitator. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And also uh, a collector of folk songs, um, you know, came out with big, uh, you know, massive books of old folk songs that he went around and learned and collected. Like a Woody, Woody, like a Woody Guthrie figure. Uh, Very similar kind yeah. of. Yeah. In fact, the uh, the version of Scarborough Fair that right. uh, Simon and Garfunkel play is the version that he uh, that he first put out into the world, into the wider world. Ah, very oh, good. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, so there. Yeah, it's been covered by a lot of bands, and the uh, Dubliners, I guess, made it pretty big uh, before the Pogues. Um, but did yeah. I was reading? I was reading that the Pogues version of the song is played during the team walk-on at um, 
Salford City uh, Football Club. Brilliant. Uh, which, which you know, there's 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 actually a, a great uh, football club reference later on this uh, side, I think. Uh, oh, and Billy's Bones, he, he, where there's a line that says he knew his arsenal from his uh, Tottenham Blues. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, so, so, Dan, have have you ever been to Ireland? Have Have you been there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, back back before children, uh, my my wife and I used to do quite quite a bit of traveling. One of our last trips, actually, before uh, before my boy came along, was uh, was uh, to the to the old sod, as they say. Uh, we, <laughs> oh, did, nice. uh, we did a few days in Dublin, and then we rented a car and uh, and we drove west all the way to the west coast, kind of the real folk center there around around Dingle and all these little you know kind of places that have these great little. Uh, great little pubs and everything. Oh, um, nice. That must be yes. awesome. Oh, a lot, lot of fun. I mean, I, I got, I got great stories. Right. It's, it's heck, heck, of, heck of a lot of fun. I, I def- definitely recommend the West Coast. It's the the Gale talked as they say, where people still speak Irish. Oh, right. so, okay. So, to be clear, the West Coast of Ireland, not the West Coast of Florida, because I do not recommend that at all. To no, anyone. no, no. There's no reason to go to the West Coast of Florida no. at all. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll put in a word for Anna Maria Island. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, one of the few islands on the West Coast, but uh, but other than that, nah, don't. Yeah, don't, if you uh, want to, if you want to really, it. you really want to, um, <laughs> if you want to relax because there's actually nothing to do, that's a, it's a great place to visit. Like Venice, Florida, yes. fantastic. Ah, there you, you go. Have <laughs> absolutely no plans. If you literally or, want nothing to do, if you literally uh, want nothing. A d- dirty old town, though, is one of my one of my favorites on the album, just because of uh, McGuire's Hill 16, the the now gone Fort Lauderdale bar that had a house band that did an, a fantastic cover of that song. Oh, oh okay, uh, nice. Where, oh God. The, I remember that. The, uh, the singer Mick Meehan, uh, gravelly brogue straight off the boat. You know, uh-huh. he uh, he uh, he used to sing that. He'd say, "I I kissed my girl where the sun don't shine." Right, of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Crowd please- sounds like a crowd pleaser. That's great. All right, so now we get now we get a 19th century American folk song, which is kind of right. cool of them to do that, right? Uh, and this one's sung by the uh, tin whistle player. Spider Stacy, let's listen to a little bit of Jesse James. Jesse Evans played Now Jesse had a wife 
Yeah. Well, it's a mur- it's a murder ballad about murderers. So um, right. it's got a there's a meta aspect even in the 19th century. And and I, I got to say, you know, my, my heroes have always been outlaws, and I I know I don't know a lot about history in general, but I do know a lot about history of like you know, the Wild West and uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean and that kind of stuff. And sure. I, I do want to clarify that. Uh, uh, Jesse James definitely did not rob from the rich and give to the poor. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> he he robbed from the rich and he right. kept it. <laughs> yeah. It sounds better in the song that way it to does, say it to I'm reading the, uh, there's a, there's the, uh, if you scroll down the Wikipedia page for Jesse James to the, the one, two, three, four, five paragraphs called death. It's basically, it's a very, very sordid story. And I'll just read the, um, um, Robert Ford drew his... Oh, let's see. Here we go. Robert Ford later said he believed that James had realized that they were there to betray him. Instead of confronting them, James walked across the living room and laid his revolvers on a sofa. He turned around and noticed a dusty picture above the mantel and stood on a chair to clean it. Robert Ford drew his weapon and shot the unarmed Jesse James in the back of the head. Uh, let's see, James's two previous bullet wounds and partially missing middle finger served to positively identify the body, which tells you the effect of the uh, uh, his um, the wound that killed him. And then the Ford brothers go on to extraordinarily sordid deaths. Um, suffering from tuberculosis and a morphine addiction, Charlie Ford committed suicide on May 6, 1884. Then uh, Bob Ford operated a tent saloon in Creed, Colorado. On June 8, 1892, Edward O. Kelly went to Creed, loaded a double-barrel shotgun, entered Ford's saloon, and said, Hello, Bob, before shooting Ford in the throat, killing him instantly. So, really heartwarming. Heartwarming stories of the Old West. Uh, hey, side note, side note in Wild West history, Hello, Bob, before killing somebody, also uttered by Billy the Kid. Oh, oh. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, it's a thing. It's a oh, thing. Okay. Hello, Bob. Oh, Bob. There you go. So, All Bob, right. if, you, if you ever that. hear that, you're Get in trouble. Fine. You're yeah. fucking dead, man. <laughs> Your name's yeah. Bob, man. Just don't Hello, be in the old Bob. west. No. <laughs> All right. So now we get uh, another cover. This one by Irish songwriter Phil Gaston. This is a great song, too. I love this song. Let's listen to a little bit of Navigator. Shanty towns rang with their songs and their fights. Navigator, navigator, rise up and be strong. The morning is here and there's work to be done. Take your pick and your shovel and a bowl dynamite. Burn a ship a few tons of this earthly delight. To shift a few tons of the earthly delight They died in their hundreds With no signs of mark where Save the brass in the pocket Of the entrepreneur By landslide and 
got blessed, they got buried so deep That in death if not life they'll have peace while they sleep Navigator, navigator, rise up and be strong The morning is here and... So Dan, tell us who Navigator is, who, who they were yeah, navvies. Um, so back in like uh, the Victorian age, uh, the navvies were basically uh, almost entirely immigrants to the British Empire, often Irish, uh, but lots of other uh, ethnicities sure. and nationalities as well, sure. um, who built all of the uh, canals for shipping and the railroads. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the idea of this song is that these people who were underpaid and undervalued uh, were killed, you know, on, in, in, you know, I mean, when we, even in the 20th century, we built the Hoover Dam here and a number of people died doing it. You can sure. imagine trying to, trying to blast, uh, you know, tunnels through mountains in the, in the 19th century. Well, just to bring it, you bring know? it even closer to home, the canal system in South Florida was not built until the, was not finished until the 1920s and involved exactly the same kinds of labor in a uh, malaria-infested swamp um, that uh, we... <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> ...that we now live in because of that canal system built by steam-powered uh, stuff and dynamite and um, the same exact kind of conditions that are mentioned here. You think it seems so distant, but it was right here about uh, you know, I- uh, 100 years ago. There's one stat that I I, I looked up before uh, before coming on, which I thought was amazing. That uh, one of the tunnels they built, the Woodhead Tunnel through uh, through Northern England, uh, the death rate for navvies there was higher than the Battle of Waterloo. Yeah, sure. Oh, sure. oh God, they're expendable. Uh, no, it wasn't an issue yeah. because there wasn't there wasn't they were expendable. And just you can like always the, hire more. It was the same thing with the trench warfare in World War One. It was just. Yeah, throw more people at it. Throw there's you know just keep throwing people um, at it until it's uh, something happens. And we we missed the the last lines of the last verse, which is my very favorite of the whole song because you know the the at the time of course, uh, you know Victorian age and all the British Empire is yeah uh, the, right. the sun never sets that's right. on the British Empire. That's the that's, that's the line right. you know because if it's going down uh, over in the over in the Caribbean, well it's coming up in India. That's right. Uh, and so the last lines of the song are. It built the supply of an empire where the sun never set, which is now deep in darkness. But the railways are uh, exactly the railroad lines uh, are still yeah. operating there. That's, That's right. That's more countries, more countries were uh, invaded and and colonized by England than any other uh, nation on earth. They were the, oh far and away. They were ultimate, and then they gave it all up, which is a very odd a very odd thing. Gave it all up, or were forced to. One of the two. Well, I mean, I don't know. The Gandhi would tell you that the British gave it up. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't offer up enough. Uh, you know, they didn't offer the kind of resistance that one might have suspected. I think they maybe were. You know, like the Spanish, they they just kind of they they kind of petered out. Yeah, things fall apart. Things fall apart. Exactly. They do. All right. So now we get a uh, another Shane McGowan song. This is a sadly ironic uh, anti-war song, I would say. Right. Let's listen to a little bit of Billy's Bones.
Yes. 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 Uh, that, that, that song. I mean, I I can't help but laugh at that song. Like, oh, the, there's the, so many great. There's the so line, many great lines the, in it. <laughs> the line where he he, he randomly just beats a cop. Yeah. And, right. And, 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 and it hit him in the, the knee, and then in the nuts. And then, yeah, yeah. Then hit him fair and square in the do re mi, and that copper won't, won't be having, having any, any family. family. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this reminds me Jeez, of um, reminds me of Tommy Gun off of Give Him Enough Rope by The Clash, where mm. at the oh, okay. um, the um, soldier for hire uh, here and there and everywhere. Um. Right. Yeah, I always thought about uh, when I hear this song "Rolling the Headless Thompson Gunner" by by Warren Zevon. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, the, 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 apparently there's a uh, in seventies in rock. There's a, a a lot of room for for, for mercenary soldiers for some uh, reason. Oh yeah, uh, John Cale <laughs> uh, has a song "Mercenary uh, Mercenaries Ready for War." So yeah, there must have been some. It must have been prominent in the um, in the in the tabloid press or in the press. Uh, it, during that period, well, there was even that magazine back when I was a kid, Soldier of Fortune. That's what yes. it is. You oh know yeah. What? yeah, yeah, that's Remember what that? it is. Oh yeah, that's what. Crazy, that's, you, you nailed it. That's responsible sure. for all of it, I think. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now we get uh, the uh, another uh, traditional tune on here. Uh, this is uh, a song about a soldier. It's called the Gentleman Soldier, but the guy in this song is not a gentleman. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of the Gentleman Soldier. It's of a gentleman soldier as the sentry he did stand He saluted a fair maiden by a waving of his hand And then he boldly kissed her and he passed it off as a joke He drilled her up in a sentry box wrapped up in a soldier's cloak And the drums are going around and a voice to loudly play Fairly well, Polly, me dear, I must be gone away All night they tossed the tumble till the morning did appear The soldier rose, but on his clothes and said, Farewell, my dear, and the drums are loudly playing Sweet guy, the word for that. Holy me there with you, I'll gladly slide. And the drums are going around and turning the voice so loud and cry. Fairly well, holy me there, I must be gone away. If anyone comes at court in you, you can take them to a glass. If anyone comes at court in you, you can say your country lies. You don't have to tell them that you ever played this joke. That you got drawn in a century box wrapped up in a soldier's coat. And the drums are going around and turning the voice so loud and cry. Fairly well, Polly, me dear, I must be gone away. Look up, my gentleman soldier, won't you marry me? I'll army do us, Polly, this thing can never be. For I have a wife already, and children I have three. Two wives are allowed in the army, but one's too many for me. And the drums I go and I rock and I'm not fast allowed to play. Fairly well, Polly, me dear, I must be gone away. 
So, yeah, uh, you know, like I was saying, this this type of music eventually became so, you know, done. So many bands did it. But this was pretty, you know, in this year, in 1985, they're, they're taking these traditional songs and they're... Uh, punking them up and and it's 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 great you know I, I think it's just really great they just uh they they definitely came on a formula but i think um it's more than a gimmick it, it was never just a gimmick for them you know the, this was them they, they definitely made it into a th into something that was that was definitely new and it was uh, and it was different but it was authentic in the in in their own way you know I, I, I love the, the choice there, too, where, like, you know, they give Kay Riordan uh, uh, a man you don't meet every day, but when they actually have lyrics that should be sung from a female perspective... Right, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they make Spider Stacy go, like, Hey, bitch, here! Yeah. It becomes a funny song for that reason because and, and of course also all the double entendres, you know, about like, you know, you know, when you think of drilling with of course. soldiers, it's about, you know, going yeah. through drills and marching and everything. But you know, he drilled her in the sentry box that that yeah. entirely is yeah, a different yeah, meaning. Very different thing. You know? yes. <laughs> um it's great. So yeah. <laughs> and uh, right, and now we get to the final song, which I did not—I wasn't aware of the whole history of this song, and it's pretty interesting. But mm. let's listen. Let's listen first to a little bit of, and the band played "Waltzing Matilda." When I was a young man, I carried my pack, and I lived the free life of a rover. From the Murray's Green Basin to the dusty outback I waltzed my Matilda all over Then in 1915 my country said son It's time to stop rambling cause there's work to be done so they gave me a tin hat and they gave me a gun And they sent me away to the war And the band played waltzing Matilda As we sailed away from the Kai and amidst all the tears And the shouts and the cheers We sailed off for Gallipoli How well I remember That terrible day When the blood stained The sand and the water And how in that hell that they call Sovlevay We were butchered like lambs at the slaughter Johnny Turkey was ready He primed himself well He showered us with bullets And he rained us with shells And in five minutes flat He'd blown us all to hell Nearly blew us right back to Australia And the band played waltz 
St. Matilda As we stop to bury our slain So Matilda is a a, a backpack. Yes, when you're waltzing Matilda, you're wandering around Australia. In the in the the, on a a, um, what they call it when you do a a walkabout. Right. Yeah. Uh, If you're familiar with the '80s film Crocodile Dundee, uh, you'll know a walkabout. Right. But uh, walkabout back in the day before the '80s, uh, it was called waltzing Matilda. You'd take your because you take your backpack, which was Matilda, and you'd you'd waltz her you know oh, and, right. back. Right. and you, you, you you know it had all the stuff that you need to to survive and so this guy in this song uh when he was a young man he waltzed his matilda all over he used to take his backpack and he used to go all around australia and bum around it was a great old time and then world war one happened and like it says in the song they gave him a tin hat and a gun and they sent him away and he winds up in turkey uh, which is a real thing. Uh, yes. The Australians uh, were the, the, the Anzac uh, uh, Expeditionary Force. Yep. Landed in Gallipoli, Turkey, and and over a period of weeks uh, kept a tiny, tiny little beachhead against Turkish forces and were absolutely shelled the living crap out of. Um, yes, the struggle formed the basis for the Turkish War of Independence and the Declaration of the Republic of Turkey eight years later with Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, who rose to prom- prominence as a commander of Gallipoli, as founder and president. Yeah, he, he was, uh, to the Turks, uh, Ataturk is seen as like their George Washington. Right. Um, so, you know, so it's it, it's it's a you know depends whose side you're picking kind of kind of story. Right, of course. So, yeah, Dan, sure. so Dan, why do you think they the the Pogues though would pick this song to do this to end their record and do like an epic version of it? What what is it about this song that that they picked to to I mean, uh, cover this song? You know, when I think of maybe top like five saddest songs ever. Yeah, it's it's, it's up there. Uh, they tend to be they tend to be songs about like like destroyed veterans. Yep. Yes. Uh, yes. It's a whole right. it's a whole genre. And and if were it not for Sam Stone by John Prine, this could be the this the is, king. Okay. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah, because except ends- except except that we got John John Prine sa- singing. There's a hole in Daddy's arm where the money goes. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. like the, exactly. the, there's yeah. Other than that, other than that, this this song. I mean, the we we missed the 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 last verse where it's years later and he's sitting there without the his old, legs. Oh yeah. And, and, yeah. And and, right. and, he, and the the kids are all asking. You know they're marching for World War One. These veterans, they, yeah. the kids are all saying, "What are they marching for?" And I ask myself the same question. That's yep. right. And the, and the band plays Waltz and Matilda, and the old men still answer the call. But year after year, their numbers get fewer. Someday, no one will, no march, one will there march there at all. At all. And right. then and then he sings Waltzing Matilda. Right. And that's the heartbreaking moment right there. Right. Yes. Someday, no one will march there at all. Right. Yeah. Waltzing yeah, yeah. Matilda. <laughs> Waltzing Matilda. Yeah. So it really, it, but it's a really great ending for the record. It really does tie in uh, the whole record. Well, there's a, dis- like there's a distinct um, anti-war aspect to this entire record. It, yeah. It, that you know those, that that theme pops up again and again, 
of of. I think uh, it's kind of anti-colonial too. You know, exactly. There's a, sure. Right. There's an sure. anti-British, which I mean, he's Irish, so well, they were all they were all <laughs> British thing. born. They were all in, born in England, though, right? English right. born, yeah. Irish, uh, Irish. Yeah, right, right, right. But uh, but definitely born with with Irish sensibilities. Yes. Um, you yes. know, and you you can't be Irish without having something of a loathing for the crown. Right. You know. Um, <laughs> well, do you know the story of uh, of the, the potato famine and corn? The famous story of why the um, so many Irish ended up immigrating to the the, the shores in the uh, uh, during the potato famine was because the Irish loved potatoes and they were all they were all um, they grew one variety of potato called lumpers and they would what the story was you had a cow and you would you would the cow would you would make butter from the cow's milk. And you would grow potatoes, and you would eat buttermilk, which is the left the leavings from making butter. And potatoes was your diet. It's a sole source diet, and it works. And then, in the course of one night, because they all grew the same species of potato, the all variety, there was a blight that happened, and the entire crop was wiped out. So the British, in their magnanimous uh, hearts began sending corn to Ireland. And corn only works as a sole source diet like potatoes do if you do something to it called nixtamalization. And that's where you soak it in a in like a lye solution or or, or wood ash or something very basic to break down a, an amino acid. If you don't do that, you can eat corn as a sole source diet for a while, but then you start to turn yellow and you Die. And the British neglected to tell the Irish about nixtamalization, and they all started to turn yellow, and they died. And the Brits knew this, and they did not give a fuck. And so that's why so many Irish, Irish came here to get away from the horrible conditions in their uh, home country. Well, the British did not give a, as you said, about the Irish for a very, very long time. No, no, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, you know, when when we're kids, you remember the Irish Republican Army as a as of a course. terrorist organization. You know, but like, but it didn't come from you know, no, it didn't come from nothing. It started it started in, in it started in 1916 in the uprising. Uh, and, and you know, when I when I try to explain that that to my kids on like you know St. Patrick's Day, and I play like you know get out my old acoustic guitar and play songs like boys of the old brigade and yep. other like rebel songs and all and and I, I i what i tell them is you know well the irish fought against foreign oppressive rule by the british uh <laughs> which you know, sounds absurd other, but it's, what other country did that you know like right. uh well oh, you know raise your hands kids right because exactly. it was us you know um I'm sure your kids must love that when they see you take out the guitar. They're like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Roll their eyes. Wrong? My kids are my kids. My kids are not as old as your kids, Rob. My kids still have some wonder at their old man. So oh, don't nice. ruin this for me. All right, hang on to it. Hang on. <laughs> my to kids are ten and, ten and eight. They still oh, they they, oh, they still oh, dig me. They still dig have me. You, have all right. Well, <laughs> hang you on. You only, you only got you a couple what? more years. You're nah. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna keep digging you. Don't worry about it. You got to get through 13, 14, 15, 16. After 17, that, 18, you, 19, cool. and then they'll dig you again. Um, <laughs> more importantly, <laughs> have you have you exposed them uh, to the Pogues yet? Have you played the the Pogues for your kids? Uh, Navigator is one of the lullabies that I sung to my son 
Oh, um, nice. Nice. Maybe play him so, the, the real version once in a while instead of dad singing it. Maybe just, yeah, give, so just to mix that, things up a little. That that <laughs> and not on this album, but but Body of an American. Uh, I have I have also uh, sang to my kids as a lullaby, which sounds okay. pretty screwed up. But, uh, no, but no, that's really, nice. when you slow like it down, that. it really works. I, you know what, Dan? I've known you so long. Thinking of you now, you got kids of your own, singing to them at night. That's great. That's a wonderful thing. That's um, it's great to hear. And uh, thank you so much. You you were a great guest. Who knew? When Barry first told me, I'm like, really, Dan Sweeney? But uh, no, you were great. Yeah, hey, man. Dan, yeah, and I, I'm glad that um, I'm glad that even though we, you know, we did not uh, reconnect until the last minute, you were ready and uh, on he was point. ready. Yeah, you were. Hey, you were born to do this record. I I'm think. a goddamn professional. <laughs> You, you are, are professional. I agree. Uh, we appreciate it. Great guest. And Barry, who do we got? We got a, another great guest next week. We have a patron of the show, Mr. Larry Smith. The Larry patron. Smith. Yeah, he's coming on and to do um, Adrian Ballou's album, Young Lions, which I'm really looking forward to. Larry yeah, was uh, right previously on. a guest on the show talking about Scary Monsters by David Bowie. And yes. uh, Larry's a great, uh, great musician, and he's uh, a cool, also cool always guy. comes prepared. Oh, and also he'll definitely come prepared. Indeed we don't he does. have to worry about Larry. All right. So also, uh, don't forget, I mentioned he's a patron. Barry, what is that? Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH, and you can uh, support Robin, myself, and that record got me high with your uh, on a monthly basis with your financial contribution. Yes, very uh, nominal, uh, but it, we really appreciate it. We're getting great. Barry, did you see today we got from one of our patrons, Chris, sent us this uh, lovely email just telling him. Uh, did, did you see it? He'd send it early. You may not have seen I, it yet. I, I don't know that I've seen it, but I will. Chris Cuny. It it, it's great. It's great. He just, uh, you know, blows smoke up her ass. He did chide me a little. He's, again, giving me uh, jazz playlists to try and get me into jazz, which uh, I <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, I, I should tell him that he, because yeah, he should save, right. save his energy. Also, for if, something you, if you worthwhile. if if you want to stay informed, uh, um, um, feel free to subscribe to the Sun Sentinel. So there, oh, there you go. go. Okay. Yes, subscribe to Sun Sentinel, and also they could follow you on Twitter. You have a very lively. What's your Twitter handle? Yes, uh, it's Daniel underscore Sweeney, and uh, yeah, it it, it gets uh, it gets pretty hectic. It's fun. It, it does. All right. Thanks again, Dan. You were a great guest. We will see you all next week. We are That Record Got Me High. We are out.